We made it. It is Friday, and we're getting ready for a big weekend. Hello, it is the show that covers everything Southern, representing Alabama, Arkansas, Florida, Georgia, Kentucky, Louisiana, Maryland, Missouri, Mississippi, North Carolina, Oklahoma, South Carolina, Tennessee, Virginia, Texas, West Virginia as well. This is y'all, and if you're from one of those states, you know what y'all is, and you're one of us, and we're glad that you could make some time here on this Friday edition of the show that covers everything y'all, powered by the homepage of the South, and that is y'all.com. I'm John Rawl. Boy, it's great to be in with you. It looks like we're going to have a pretty darn good-looking weekend across most of the South here this middle of May. Yeah, we're quickly getting through this month and it'll be memorial day in just a couple of weeks and then oh goodness summertime will be officially here in just a few weeks as well cannot wait cannot wait we've we're ready to go out and celebrate here after being trapped for a year or so with the coronavirus and here at the y'all show we're going to put a smile on your face that's at least part of our goal here we try to educate and also entertain and when we're able to we we do it with your assistance and we need your help our number is 803-816-1170. That is the number you can call or text 24-7, 803-816-1170. Our email inbox is mail at y'all.com. That's M-A-I-L at Y-A-L-L.com. Or you also can find us on a couple of different apps. We're on the iHeartRadio app, the TuneIn app, and you can find our podcast also at y'all.com. It's the show all about the South, and we are here for the next three hours to tell you What's going on in the South? We've got headlines here to start out with. And one of the items here in this first hour that you're going to hear more than once is a guy named Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow is doing some great work in the state of Tennessee. And he's a Florida Gator. I'll tell you about it here in our headlines across the Southeast. In addition, we'll tell you how Jill Biden was in the mountain state of West Virginia alongside a Hollywood starlet and a West Virginia native, Jennifer Garner. They were together on Thursday. I'll give you the scoop on what's going on there. And an update from Columbia, South Carolina. That is where Fort Jackson is located. That is the number one recruiting place or for basic training for the United States Army. And we told you a couple of days ago on the show how a recruit essentially escaped to try to go back to New Jersey. Why? I have no idea. But he got on a school bus and held about 18 people, including kids, hostage. And now... The U.S. Army is doing some changes there at Fort Jackson as a result of this incident from the other day. So we'll have info on that. And also, John Legend will be in Tulsa, Oklahoma later this month to remember and honor the 100th anniversary of the Tulsa Race Massacre. It's the centennial this year. And if you don't know what happened at Tulsa, Oklahoma back in 1921, I'll tell you a little bit about it here on today's Y'all Show. Plus, A lawyer in Florida jailed after ramming her SUV into her ex-husband's house, and then she spit or spat on a law enforcement officer. You just don't do that no matter who you are, but especially if you're a barrister. And, yeah, this Florida lawyer, now she's – they're making a case for her to be disbarred in the Sunshine State. Also, we'll tell you how Yingling Beers is expected to be on shelves in Texas later this year if you're – here in the Lone Star State, and you want to have some yingling? I don't realize. I don't know what the 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 laws. Where's Burt Reynolds and Jerry Reed when you need them? I don't know what the laws of Texas are, but uh, looks like they don't have yingling. But that's going to change if you're a fan of that particular line of beer. So that's coming up here in our headlines. We also have an hour one, 
a look at some college sports news. We've got a college football national championship going down on Sunday on ABC. I'll tell you about the South's own Sam Houston State Bearcats taking on South Dakota State, the Jackrabbits, and the Bearcats getting together in Frisco, Texas. We'll kind of break that down, and I'll tell you a little bit more on Sam Houston State University, some famous alums, and why you might need to be supporting the Bearcats here as they go for a national championship in FCS football on Sunday. Also, we'll give you some college basketball news and notes. Plus, it's a big weekend in college baseball. We already saw one top 25 team get a victory Thursday. I'll tell you who that was. And the series across the top 25 of college baseball taking place at Diamonds across the Southland this weekend. That's all part of our college sports feature here in Hour 1. As I said, Tim Tebow is going to be on the front of our brain a good bit here this first hour. In fact, we're going to rewind back to Tuesday's show. Our closing argument guru is Art Cruz. And on Tuesday, that was the day that it came out that Tim Tebow was going to be offered a one-year contract with the Jacksonville Jaguars. And we're going to rewind back to Tuesday's show and play a portion of Art Cruz weighing in on the Jags' decision to give 32, I think he's 32, 33-year-old Tim Tebow an opportunity to be a NFL tight end. Not a quarterback anymore, tight end after playing baseball for these last few years and being on the SEC Network and ESPN. Now the very high-styling Tim Tebow will take his style to the NFL again and try to make it to the Jags roster as a tight end. And Art Cruz will share his thoughts on that here this hour. Also, Kobe Bennett's going to file a Southern accent on sports here in Hour 1. Later in today's Y'all Show, Hour 2, we're going to give a tribute to Purvis Staples of the Staples Singers. He passed away this week at the age of 85. We'll play one of the Staples Singers, one of their most famous songs, and tell you a little bit more about Mississippi-born Purvis Staples in our Friday Free for Y'all to get Hour 2 up and going today. Then we'll have a fishing forecast. Craig Faulkner is going to be dropping by. He's been on here for about a month now, and We'll let uh, him kind of tell us what's going on across the lakes and ponds of the Southland here this weekend and some other outdoors and game-type adventures that he has in store for all y'all in our fishing forecast with Craig Faulkner coming up hour two. We'll also take a look at movies. Hour three, closing argument. Art Cruz will be back here and give us his closing argument, get us ready for the big weekend. All right here at y'all, the show that is truly accentuating that's why we say we are talk with a southern accent we are accentuating the southeast and we love for you to be part of it thank you so much for tuning us in on great radio stations as well as those of you who have a chance to tune in via podcast each and every day let's dive into the news of the south here today and have you been in any small businesses lately there's a good chance that they are struggling, and it's not just small businesses, it's really businesses of any kind, they are struggling to have qualified workers. There are people who are not working when there's plenty of opportunities to work. Restaurants and stores are rapidly having to raise pay in an urgent effort to attract more applicants and keep up with a flood of customers. Now that the pandemic is easing up, people are wanting to go out and spend money and shop and things like that. And you're seeing major chains, in addition to the small business owners of the South, really struggle to have employees. Here are a list of some people who are going to be boosting their pay. McDonald's, Chipotle, Amazon, Walmart, Costco, all boosting wages. In some cases, 
$15 an hour or higher. The pay gains, of course, a boon to these employees as restaurants and bars, hotels, and more remain the lowest-paying industries, and many of the workers ran the risk of contracting COVID-19 on the job during this last year. But I was talking, I went into a Dollar General. I'll just call it out. I don't know the lady's name. I wish I knew her name. I wish I'd have paid more attention. But I've seen her in there before. It's my closest DG, and I happen to spend a lot of time. That's why I'm one of you. I'm a Southern boy. Those people on all the talk shows out of New York City, they don't have a Dollar General around the corner they go shopping in. I do, and I bet you, you go to the DG. Way to go, that uh, good Middle Tennessee company there. But I was in my DG this week, and the lady told me they're checking me out, I guess. Uh, not not from a uh, like a physical way checking me out. She was checking me out with the money and uh, the goods that I was pur- purchasing there at the Dollar General. Just to just to clarify, I don't want to get in trouble. Yeah, she was she was uh, taking care of my checkout, my order there at the counter, and she mentioned to me I didn't even really provoke the question or, or comment from her. And she said that she's working all the time. They can't find anybody to come in. Every, evidently, people quit. And they're now drawing unemployment, or I don't know what they're doing to, to get by, but it, it just means people like this dedicated employee at this Dollar General are having to take up a lot of the hours, and you know it's already tough on them. I don't know what a typical Dollar General employee makes. I'm sure it's not as exactly all that high. I did ask her, and I didn't really get a good answer. I asked her if they were taken care of during this last year as a pandemic. Did they get bonuses or other things because man we couldn't have made it without dollar general we could not have made it in the south for many of us that that was our go-to place for some of the essentials that we had to have and i even use i'll just uh, tell you something deeply personal here on today's y'all show about myself i'm even a big fan and, and was before the pandemic and uh i'll just tell you i'm a big fan of their toilet paper their dollar general brand toilet paper i'm sure you probably could have done without knowing that but it's good stuff, and uh, when we had a toilet paper shortage, the DG brand at least seemed to be pretty available for, for people around the Southland to, to pick up. They didn't have to have Charmin. They were okay if you if you have to go and have to use it. The DG brand, it actually works pretty good. So that, a uh, little bit more than you probably were bargaining for here on this Friday Y'all Show. But, yeah, I hope Dollar General and other companies where you saw grocery store workers and other retail outlets were – Workers were going in every day in the height of this thing back a year ago, if you go back to April and May of 2020. And these people, I would say, were risking their lives in a lot of cases. And uh, and they were definitely putting up with a bunch of nonsense from customers. And uh, they've made it through, it looks like, in most cases. And we just hope that uh, the, I don't think Dollar General suffered financially over this last year. I don't think, and nor did any of the other big chains that were open and stayed open. Walmart likely has made more money this last year than they've ever made. I'm just kind of throwing that out there. I don't know for sure, but they probably have. And uh, I haven't been shopping in a Walmart, by the way, in over a year, and I'm kind of proud of that statement. I'm more of a DG guy, and if I need something bigger than that, I'll find another way. But, yeah, that is the case across the South. Amazon Thursday said it will pay new hires $17 an hour, as it seeks to add 75,000 new workers. I know they're adding a bunch of jobs in Washington, D.C., as they've kind of created a new campus there. And I saw where they're poaching great talent in the D.C. area to come work for them. 
and that's just going to drive D.C., by the way, the most expensive area of the country to live in and also the only area over the last decade that had increases in salary where everybody else, most big cities were going down in terms of their home home values and things like that. D.C. was the only area of the country that was booming at least a couple of years ago. And now Amazon's coming in there with a with a big stick and stealing away some of the best employees of that area. So, yeah, that's what's going on. Speaking of the coronavirus, on Thursday, Joe Biden said that it's a great day for America, as he says we can largely ditch the idea of wearing a mask. In fact, I saw the photo of he and Vice President Harris walking there in the Rose Garden, and neither one were wearing a mask while they were outside, and they were all buddy-buddy right beside each other. So, yeah, it's a major step toward returning to pre-pandemic life. The Centers for Disease Control and Prevention easing the mask-wearing guidance for fully vaccinated people on Thursday. Oh, yeah, by the way, and I'm telling you more personal stuff that you probably don't want to know, but, hey, I'm just trying to get acclimated to you. I'm telling you about me. Could you please tell me about (laughs) y'all? I got my second dose of the vaccine Thursday. While this news was breaking, I was getting stuck in the arm. And so, yeah, I'm not fully vaccinated because you have to wait two weeks, evidently. And so I've got March, uh, rather May 27th marked on the calendar, and I will be fully vaccinated. I can, according to the release from Thursday, I can go outside and go to concerts and go to sporting events outside and not have to wear a mask. And everybody else in the same category doesn't have to do that kind of stuff. In fact, the president said, if you are fully vaccinated, you no longer need to wear a mask. Get vaccinated or wear a mask until you do. That from Joe Biden, the 46th president of the United States. And we've reached that point. I mean, he's out here giving us the go-ahead to kind of get our lives back together. The director of the CDC is Rochelle Walensky. And she said on Thursday at the briefing, we have all longed for this moment when we can get back to some sense of normalcy. So, yeah, celebrate if you are fully vaccinated, you can go out and have a good life and maybe not be so paranoid about what could happen with the coronavirus. And this is hopefully going to be a sign if you're not vaccinated to please consider it. I went to, I told you I haven't shopped at a Walmart. I got my, I'll go ahead and get Walmart credit. I, I got my vaccination at Walmart. I didn't have to spend any money. Nobody does. If you want the vaccination, it's free. You just got to go to the places to get it. And in the area that I got my vaccination, the local Wally World was the only place that had the Moderna vaccination available. That's why I chose to go there. Other ones had the Johnson & Johnson one, and I just wasn't comfortable or didn't want to do that. But I don't think it matters. And if it did, we would know by now that one is far worse than the others. We just got to do it, y'all. And kudos to Operation Warp Speed, and that was under the Trump-Pence administration. And that because of the incredible work of our doctors and scientists and our nation kind of getting behind operation warp speed that's how we got these vaccines in such a quick turnaround these things don't normally as you know happen this quickly and here we are it looks like this is making a big difference it's why this country we're seeing the hospitalizations and deaths from the coronavirus go way down and hopefully we won't have any more people pass away i think i saw the other day we're pushing six hundred thousand deaths here in this country alone from the coronavirus. But according to the president, it's a great day for America as we're finally getting 
a little bit of light at the end of the tunnel of this awful last 14, 15 months we've been going through here across the nation and throughout the world and so many great Americans losing their lives. And we never, ever want to forget them here on the Y'all Show. And a lot of those were amazing, great Southerners, people who've lost their life, unfortunately, to this virus and will never let them be forgotten. As we said on Thursday's Y'all Show, We've now lost nearly as many people in the coronavirus as we lost in the American Civil War. We've eclipsed the amount of Americans killed in World War II. So you put it in perspective of armed conflicts this country's had, and it's shocking how many we had. I still think it's far less than what we had at the Spanish flu outbreak of 1918-1919. I don't have those numbers in front of me, but just a a good sign that things look like they're kind of getting back to normal if we can just uh, keep people getting vaccinated and more a a state political story to tell you about. Governor Greg Abbott in Austin, Texas, is expected to sign a law that bans abortions after six weeks. The Texas Senate voted to send the bill to the Republican governor, and he is expected to sign it into law. The bill is expected to draw legal challenges. That is every single Republican-led effort. As soon as it passes, there's immediately multiple lawsuits from the Democrats and the liberals when something comes out like this. Texas would ban abortions after as early as six weeks before many women even know they're even pregnant, and it will allow private citizens to enforce the rule through civil lawsuits against doctors and others under a measure that's been given final approval by state lawmakers on Thursday. Now, the vote goes to Governor Greg Abbott's desk, and that would end up bringing Texas in line with about a dozen other GOP-led states that have passed these so-called heartbeat bills that had been mostly blocked by federal courts. This measure in the Lone Star State likely, again, to draw a big challenge from abortion rights groups. But Texas becomes the latest state to, it looks like, sign into law a heartbeat bill here this week. A Army, ex-Army, Green Beret, is to be sentenced for espionage for Russia. And this comes to us from Virginia, out of Gainesville, Virginia, 46-year-old Peter Dibbins, pleaded guilty in November to a Federal Espionage Act charge in U.S. District Court in Alexandria, Virginia, and he's being sentenced today. Devin's relationship with Russian intelligence goes back to 1996, so 25 years, and it spanned 15 years. It began when he was an ROTC student at the University of Minnesota, and on a visit to Russia gave a handler there the names of four Catholic nuns he had visited after a Russian intelligence agent told him the nuns were involved in cult activity. And according to the reports, he provided details in later years about the activities of his Special Forces unit overseas and the names of his fellow Special Forces members. Prosecutors are seeking a 17-year term of imprisonment for Debbins. They say Debbins never told the FBI anything about being blackmailed, They say his original explanation of his motive is far more likely that he was bitter about his time in the Army and that he considered himself a, quote, loyal son of Russia, an ex-Army Green Beret being sentenced for Russian espionage. I thought only President Trump was guilty of that, according to some out there in the uh, country these days. A Florida man is accused of supporting ISIS with bomb-making videos, and now he's entered a guilty plea. This comes to us out of the St. Augustine area, where this man pleaded guilty this week to charges of attempting to provide material support to ISIS. According to a news release from the U.S. Department of Justice, Romeo Xavier Langhorn, a 31-year-old St. Augustine man, 
pleaded his allegiance to ISIS at some point back in 2014, knowing that ISIS was a designated terrorist organization. The DOJ says throughout 2018 and 2019, Mr. Langhorn posted his support for ISIS on social media accounts and also posted ISIS-produced videos to his YouTube account. What an idiot. September, or rather December and January of 2018 and in 2019, the Langhorn, Mr. Langhorn was in a chat room where he shared an interest in creating a video that would demonstrate the making and use of an explosive, that according to the DOJ. And now this man pleading guilty to charges of attempting to provide material support to ISIS. A word, an acronym we haven't heard a whole lot about here in the last year or two, thankfully. Tired of those guys taking too many innocent lives, especially of our Americans. Jill Biden was in West Virginia this week. She and actress Jennifer Garner visited a high school vaccination site in the Mountain State. First Lady Jill Biden quipped about going maskless while in West Virginia. We feel naked. Or should she have said, we feel naked. That would be more like it. Uh, But then she said she didn't mean it in that way. Okay, well, the First Lady there, 69 years old, flying to Charleston, West Virginia on Thursday and exited her plane without a mask and a nod to the new federal guidelines for people who are fully vaccinated against COVID-19. And there she teamed up with the native West Virginia, the Pearl Harbor and Elias Star, met her there in West Virginia, her native state, Jennifer Garner. And she was wearing a black mask to match her pretty outfit there. But it took it off to greet the First Lady, who had on a white dress and a pink blazer. And that's when Biden said, we feel naked. I didn't mean it that way. The two women who know each other from their work with the organization Save the Children were then joined by West Virginia's former governor and current U.S. Senator Joe Manchin, who traveled to West Virginia with the First Lady. A group of junior ROTC Corps members greeted the group as they arrived at Capitol High School in Charleston, West Virginia, and the First Lady told them that President Biden's late son, Beau, was in the Army National Guard. And she's also said, Biden, I know you just want to see Jennifer Garner. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, they probably did. They may not have even known who Jill Biden was. They might know who Joe Biden is, but yeah. And they certainly don't recognize her without a mask on when she's there, because essentially since she's been first lady, most every public appearance, she's had a mask on. But now dropping the mask while in West Virginia and Jennifer Garner, always looking stunning, had on the glasses when she was speaking there in her native state there. out A story now out of northeast Georgia to Gainesville. Hall County police in that northeast Georgia city are investigating after someone spray-painted graffiti on two veterans' monuments, and these were not Confederate monuments there in Gainesville, Georgia. They were a monument to World War II, I think, and also a Vietnam veterans' monument. In fact, that monument, someone spray-painted over the all-gave-some-some-gave-all inscription at that Vietnam veterans' monument in Gainesville. The Gainesville Parks and Recreation Department spokesperson said that all the graffiti was cleaned up midweek, and that's good news to know if you're there in Gainesville. As a guy who spent some time there in that city, I I, I think I know where this park is, where this, um, I guess, uh, defacing of these monuments happened, but go check it out. I do know there in Gainesville, Georgia, they might be considering renaming a, a street going into their high school. It's called Deshaun Watson Way where the Red Elephants play and and the high school that Deshaun Watson went to. And if things don't get better for him, there might be some changes there in Gainesville, Georgia for that. But uh, we'll see what happens as that case that he's got, which we haven't heard from much here in the last week or two, plays out in Houston, Texas. All right, an update on a story we told you about a few weeks ago 
Fort Jackson in Columbia, South Carolina is the main place that Army personnel go to go through their basic training. It's the largest training depot, if you will, for the United States Army. And a few weeks back, a private there, Javon Colazzo, he escaped from his training and went over a fence and actually hijacked a school bus of kids there in Richland County that were, I think, going home at the time. He hijacked the bus in an effort to get back to his native New Jersey. I don't think a bus, a school bus, is going to help him out. But officials now at Fort Jackson have suspended weapons immersion training a week after this trainee tried to go on this bus with an unloaded rifle and hijacked it. The base, as I said, is the largest training facility in the entire U.S. military, not just the Army. And weapons immersion training teaches recruits the fundamentals about using their firearms. Uh, they're going to suspend this just because of one nincompoop. Um, you know, you kind of have to have weapons if you're in the United States Army. But let's see. The base commander there is Brigadier General Milford Beagle the Jr. And he said, we truly regret this incident and the effect it is having on our community that he is expressing his desire to meet with the parents of the school children on that bus so he can personally share concerns for them. He wants to answer their questions and let them know that they're taking actions to prevent this from happening again. Seems a little bit overreaction just because of one person doing this, but right now at Fort Jackson, they are suspending what they call weapons immersion training after this trainee jumped the fence, went AWOL, and tried to kidnap a bus a few days ago. Now to Maryland and a resident in Montgomery County, or rather Montgomery County is warning residents about the impending brood X cicada outbreak. Okay, we know that's coming if it's not already there in Maryland and surrounding states. But one byproduct of all of these cicadas coming out, uh, I hate to tell you all this in Montgomery County, Maryland, but according to the officials there, county health officials warning that once the cicadas begin to die off, rats that had become accustomed to the readily available food source of eating on these cicadas may start looking around for other things to eat. And so that could bring them big time into residents' homes and properties. So yes, be very careful, not when they first start chirping, but when they start dying off, those rats, and I'm talking about the animal, not the human being rats that might be around Montgomery County, Maryland. Yeah, you're, you're, you might have some ticked off rats and they're going to be trying to come into your domicile and and keep the feast going as they were spoiled there with these cicadas being a a kind of a 17-year gift. John Legend is going to headline the 1921 Tulsa Race Massacre Centennial Commission's Remember and Rise event, and that's taking place Memorial Day weekend in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Legend is the first black man to achieve the EGOT distinction, having earned an Emmy, a Grammy, an Oscar, and a Tony Award and now Legend will be in Tulsa for the 100-year anniversary of the Tulsa Race Massacre. And again, it's going to be a big star-studded weekend as they mark this 100-year anniversary of the Tulsa Race Massacre. If you're not familiar with this, this is by what some people call the worst massacre or race riot in America's history. More than O.J. Simpson, more than all these Black Lives Matter protests over the last few years, back in 1921, This stretched over a few days in Tulsa, Oklahoma. The disputed death toll for this were about 36 people killed, 26 blacks, 10 whites. Some say that there might have been as many as 200 blacks killed and 50 whites killed. It was a very ugly scene there in Tulsa, Oklahoma in 1921. In fact, it has the 
only distinction of American history where aircraft, in this case airplanes, were used to attack American citizens. Airplanes that were flown by Americans. This was not Pearl Harbor. And sure enough, this is 1921, three years after the end of World War I, and there were airplanes that were flown by civilians, not by the government, that attacked rioters in this Tulsa race riot of 1921. If you get a chance, look into it. It's really a disturbing story that some people, again, say that this is likely the biggest race riot or maybe riot of any kind that's happened here in the United States throughout our history. So we're coming up on the 100th anniversary of that. John Legend will be in Tulsa to celebrate or honor, remember, if you will, the 100th anniversary of that riot from 1921. The state of Tennessee is now partnering with a guy that used to be their rival, Tim Tebow. And they're partnering with Tebow and others to fight human trafficking in the volunteer state. According to the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation, human trafficking exploits a person for labor, services, or commercial sex. It particularly impacts women and children. And now Tim Tebow, alongside Governor Bill Lee of Tennessee, they are working together. Governor Lee said, I'm excited to invest and partner with these remarkable organizations that are at the forefront of this important fight. Human trafficking has no place in our state, and I'm proud to support our law enforcement and profit nonprofit partners. This new partnership in Tennessee will end up being a partnership between the End Slavery Tennessee movement, the Grow Free Tennessee, Thistle Farms, Restore Corps, and the Tim Tebow Foundation. There you have it. The Tennessee budget for fiscal 2021 included more than $5 million for funding for key groups fighting human trafficking and supporting victims, including these various organizations. In fact, one uh, one portion of this uh, money, uh, $1.2 million, went to Her Song, which is a ministry of the Tim Tebow Foundation. If you suspect someone you know is involved in human trafficking, you can call, if you're in Tennessee, the Tennessee Human Trafficking Hotline. That is 1-855-558-6484. That is a look at some of the headlines. We've got more news coming your way as we roll on throughout this Friday edition of the Y'all Show. Hang on. When we come back, we're going to take a quick look at some of the college sports news happening right now as we get ready for a national football championship game on Sunday. I'll tell you about a team from Huntsville, Texas that will be taking the field in search of a national championship. We'll have info on that and some college baseball news as the Y'all Show Talk with a Southern Accent continues. There's the fight song of the Sam Houston State Bearcats, Huntsville, Texas, represent. Yeah, Sam Houston State, they're going to be competing for what they are claiming their second national championship in football. 
They claim 1964 as a championship after they defeated Concordia College. Y'all remember that game back in 64. But the Bearcats have a chance to win a modern-day national championship for the first time this weekend as they are playing in the FCS National Championship game. And that's not too far from Huntsville, Texas this weekend, that national championship game taking place in nearby Frisco, Texas. And Sam Houston State's actually played in that national championship game a few years back and lost, I think, to North Dakota State at the time. But, yeah, the Bearcats, who started playing college football back in 1912, because of the coronavirus shifting FCS football to the springtime. This team from Texas is now going to be the lone Southern representative competing for this national championship. And this will be Sunday, the game. uh, That's right, you heard me, Sunday. And it will be from Frisco's Toyota Stadium. That's where the Major League Soccer franchise in the Dallas area normally plays. And the Bearcats will be taking on the South Dakota State Jackrabbits. The line for this game has Sandy, uh, South Dakota State minus three and a half with a spread of 47.5 in case you're into that kind of thing. But yeah, college football Sunday. It starts at 2 Eastern, 1 o'clock Frisco time. The Bearcats and the Jackrabbits are the Jacks out of South Dakota State. Let me tell you a little bit more about the South, uh, rather the Sam Houston State football team. They are coached by K.C. Keeler. He's been there at Houston Tech, or rather Huntsville, Texas, for a number of years. He actually had been the head coach of the Delaware Blue Hands before going to Huntsville, Texas. He's currently sitting at 68-22 and 22 throughout his career as he started at Sam Houston State back in 2014. He's won a couple of championships. In fact, he won the FCS championship while he was at Delaware, winning that in 2003 when it was 1AA football. He's won two Southland titles in 2014 and 2016. So they didn't even win the Southland here this year, Sam Houston State, but they have had a great season, and now they have a chance to play for a national championship here in 2020. At least I don't think they won the Southland. They may not have had a Southland actual title given because of the reduced number of games perhaps, but the Bearcats out of Sam Houston State – now, I want to know, why are they their, – their nickname is Sam Houston State Bearcats, but they spell Bearcats, B-E-A-R-K-A-T-S. And I wonder why they started calling it Bearcats. Well, let me see what I can tell you. Their school colors are orange and white, and their team's nickname is the Bearcats, K-A-T-S. I just told you that. <laughs> uh, I don't have the answer for that. It's not popping up so easy for me. So if you know why Sam Houston State's – misspelling the name Bearcats, let me know at 803-816-1170. Sam Houston State University has a a big student body. They're at 21,000 students with an endowment of over 116 million there in the southeastern portion of the state of Texas with their campus. And in fact, the big statue of Sam Houston is right there by the interstate in Houston, Texas, and you can or Huntsville. So I'm sure I'm not the only person that's ever confused Huntsville and Houston because they're not all that far apart from the uh, the two cities. Not all that far, all all that not, not that far apart. Some of the more famous alumni of Sam Houston State. I know you've been wondering. Hey, they've got a, a WWE wrestler as part of their alumni, famous alumni Billy Gunn. Are y'all familiar with him? Yeah, he is a famous alum of SHSU. Let's see here some other names of note that you might have heard of, a couple of former pitchers. Man, this is pitcher you. 
in Huntsville, Texas. They've had Major League pitchers Don Welchel, Ryan Tapera, Jordan Tata, Stephen, Steve Sparks, Caleb Smith, all pitchers in the Major League Baseball ranks. And let's see here. Abby Johnson is an activist that has graduated from this school. And uh, that might be all I'm seeing here of their notable alumni, Dana Andrews, uh, old-timer. He was an actor way back in the good old days of Hollywood, back in the pre-World War II days. He is a graduate of Sam Houston State University. Check him out if you get a chance. He was there in the golden era of Hollywood acting along people like Virginia Gilmore. If you want to look more about uh, Dana Andrews, who actually was born near Collins, Mississippi, in South Mississippi. But good luck to the Bearcats again playing in the FCS National Championship game Sunday on ABC. If you want to see college football in May, you'll have your opportunity. Now to the ACC Commissioner Jim Phillips, who's taken over for John Swafford. The new ACC Commissioner says he won't decide on college football's playoff expansion until a thorough assessment has been made during a conference call with reporters following the Leeds virtual spring meetings. The ACC commissioner, Phillips, said he isn't against expansion, but he doesn't want to rush into making a decision either. Last month, the College Football Playoff Management Committee was presented with possibilities for future expansion, including options that range from 6 to 16 teams. And I just talked about FCS playoffs going on. Hey, they have had a 16-team playoff here this year. And it looks like it's worked out pretty well. you got two really good teams playing in a game that will be televised on ABC. Something tells me there's a good chance this FCS playoff game in the middle of a May Sunday afternoon will likely draw more viewers than the NBA and maybe even in the NBA Finals. Maybe even more than the Oscars that we just had a few weeks ago. So good luck. I hope a lot of people do tune in and see this football game Sunday. But also – the, the powers that be in college athletics looks like they're heading on a path to where they're going to expand the playoff. And uh, maybe you're a fan of that. If you are, great. If you're not a fan, maybe you're like me. I, th- I thought the old days where we just had a vote at the end of the season was just as good as this playoff thing because you're always going to have people who are upset with the way something works out and they're going to say it wasn't fair. You're going to have the UCFs of the world who claim, well, we're the national champions and they, in some people's eyes, have the right to say that because they had a couple of years ago an undefeated season, even beat Auburn in the Peach Bowl. But that's uh, not, life's not fair. Maybe somebody needs to pass that along to some of these people. Hey, some college basketball news. Because of the transfer portal now being available in the sport of college basketball, some teams are really benefiting from this, and one of those teams is the Texas Longhorns. In an article written by David Cobb of CBSSports.com, he profiles how the Longhorns, who have a new coach in Chris Beard as Shaka Smart left UT for Marquette, Chris Beard has come into Austin from Texas Tech and is doing a good job of adding players, including three players that he's added in the last few weeks, transfers into the Horns. Timmy Allen out of Utah, he's got him from Creighton. The Blue Jays' Christian Bishop has transferred to the Texas Longhorns basketball program. And then also a former Vanderbilt Commodore, Dylan Disu, transferring to the UT Longhorns in the Big 12. So that's one example of people coming to strengthen a pretty good Texas team that now Coach Beard, who's a pretty good coach, will be able to take that talent and run with it. Also from the South, the Maryland Terps, according to this article 
David Cobb has been doing a great job of tracking the ever-growing list of meaningful transfers, and he's been able to get in some players. Uh, how about this name? It looks like Maryland has a player named Fats Russell. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't know if they've got him or not, but that was a, a name here in this article that the Maryland Terps have as a potential transfer into their program. Kentucky, Coach Cal, has traditionally relied upon blue-chip recruits coming out of high school to replenish all those guys who are one and dones. But according to this article, UK has had a big man from West Virginia transfer in, Oscar Bay, something like that. He's going to help replace Olivier Saar. And also, Davidson guard Kellen Grady is a big-time scorer. Also a transfer from Iowa, C.J. Frederick, heading to the Cats. All this follows a story we talked about earlier this week. Ty Ty Washington is a five-star recruit from high school who's announced he wants to be a Kentucky Wildcat basketball player. Hey, the Gators are also mentioned in this article as Michael White is looking to stock up on great transfer. He's got a transfer in from the Charleston Southern Buccaneers, Philandris Fleming. He also has a, a player coming in from the UMKC program, and transfer Brandon McKissick, all Gator-bound, all headed to Gainesville to help the Florida Gators who were able to play in the NCAA tournament this year but didn't get all that far before being eliminated. So, again, college basketball, just like football, benefiting from some of these transfers taking place throughout that sport. To college baseball, we had a game played in the top uh, top 25 game played on Thursday. Mississippi State eked out a win at Duty Noble against Missouri, winning 5-4. As far as the top 25 series taking place across the Southland here on this mid-May weekend, Arkansas and Tennessee are going to have a top four matchup at Lindsey Nelson Stadium in Knoxville, Tennessee. This will be televised on the SEC Network, some of these games. Tune in to see number one Arkansas, number four, the UT Big Orange Vols. Also from the south, the number 15 Louisville Cardinals have a series against North Carolina and Chapel Hill this weekend. South Carolina's barely ranked. They're number 25. They'll be in Lexington there to take on the Batcats of Kentucky this weekend. Clemson's not ranked. They'll be in Tallahassee to take on the Florida State Seminoles. Again, Mississippi State's got Missouri in for a weekend series. The Southern Miss Golden Eagles are ranked in the top 20. They're number 19. They'll be on the road in Boca Raton taking on the Florida Atlantic Owls in a series this weekend. The Charlotte 49ers out of Conference USA will be on the road in Houston taking on what once was a great college baseball program and national championship program in the Rice Owls. NC State will be at Pitt. Pitt's ranked number 16 this weekend, or this week heading into this series. The Red Raiders of Texas Tech are ranked 7th. They'll be in Norman taking on the Oklahoma Sooners. You have Louisiana Tech ranked 14 in Conference USA. They've got the Roadrunners of UTSA into Ruston this weekend. East Carolina's 11. They'll be at Cincinnati for a series. It'll be a top 20 matchup at Swayze Field as the Mississippi Sharks have the Vanderbilt Commodores ranked number two in the land. Coach Corbin continuing to do wonders there for the Vandy boys. And Vandy will be down in North Mississippi this weekend for this series at Swayze Field. You have TCU ranked number six. They're out of conference this weekend. The Warhawks of ULM in Fort Worth this weekend. You have also going on this weekend in the SEC, the Georgia Bulldogs against the number nine Florida Gators in a series on the college baseball diamond that all this weekend. It's all going on as the college baseball season is winding down, regular season at least, getting ready for the SEC, ACC, Big 12 tournaments and such. 
and then it'll be playoff baseball into the early month of early part of the month of June. And again, that is a look at what's going on in college sports. And as we go to break, one more time, the Sam Houston State fight song, Go Bearcats, as they play South Dakota State for the FCS National Championship Sunday afternoon on ABC. We'll be right back. Hey, speaking of great sports information, Tim Tebow. We're going to have Art Cruz's take on Tebow joining the Jacksonville Jaguars in an I-C-Y-M-I, in case y'all missed it, this from Tuesday. That's up next on Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. Back into this Friday edition of Talking About the South, I'm John Rawl. The website is y'all.com, and you can go there right now and catch up on all of our y'all shows. We've done more than 400 of these bad boys, and we did one on Tuesday that you can go listen to in its entirety. And within that great show from Tuesday, Art Cruz was on here as part of his closing argument talking about the new Jacksonville Jaguar, Tim Tebow. Tim Tebow looks like going to be given a chance to be a tight end for Urban Meyer's program there at the Jacksonville Jaguars. And Art Cruz, our sage attorney, and also the guy that presents our closing argument, he'll be in here in hour three today. Art had something to say about this Gator great having a chance to get back to the NFL and have a chance to be a tight end in the NFL. Here is our ICYMI. In case y'all missed it from Tuesday, a portion of that right now on the Y'all Show. Take it away, Art Cruz. I would not bet more than the change that I have in my pocket that Tim Tebow will make that 70-man opening day roster. I would be shocked, beyond shock, if he were to be on that opening 53-man roster. But what, what does it tell, John? What does it tell if you're a veteran on that Jaguars team, what message does that send to those veterans on that Jaguars team that Urban Meyer is going out and signing not necessarily the best football players, but his friends? Now, that's a tough message, I think. Uh, Do you think two months ago Tim Tebow was even thinking about trying to go back to the NFL? Uh, I think he probably started thinking about it the day Urban Meyer was hired. Okay, uh, they're 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 buds from way back. And and look, I'm I'm a as much as I hate to say this, I'll go ahead and get it out. I am a Tim Tebow fan. I like Tim Tebow. I know he played at a university uh, which has drubbed my alma mater for the past fifteen years or so. But I I have always respected Tim Tebow, especially the way in the face of criticism, 
in the face of people making fun of him, using him as the butt of jokes, has always put his faith out front, always proud of his faith, never backed down. And I respect him so much as an athlete, too. I don't know that in my long history of watching college football, I've ever seen a player more dominant than Tim Tebow. Have there been better football players that I've seen? Oh, absolutely. Tons of better football players. But as far as one guy dominating a game, I don't know that I've seen anybody that dominates more than Tebow. So, point being, I'm not going to sell him short. I'm not going to say he can't do it. I mean, here's a guy who's one of the few that uh, have played professional sports, uh, two professional sports. Uh, he's a baseball player and a football player. Now, most of us would would love to be able to play one. He's played two. Um, he never made it to the major leagues in baseball. He got as high as AAA in the New York Mets organization. But he always seems to have done what he's put his mind to. So, And that was good stuff there from Art Cruz here from Tuesday of this week as part of our I-C-Y-M-I. In case y'all missed it, go back and pull up that Tuesday show and hear Art there in in his entirety giving a good defense, if you will, of Tim Tebow. And we're going to have Art back here for the closing argument on this Friday, y'all. So stay tuned for that. We will have the closing argument of Hour 1 when we come back. Kobe Bennett's going to file a Southern accent on sports. Plus, don't forget, Hour 2 today, we've got a tribute to Purvis Staples of the Staples Singers as the Staples Singers singer passed away this week at age 85. Plus, we've got our fish and forecast with Craig Faulkner all coming up in Hour 2, but we still got the Southern accent. It is up next, y'all. Southern accent. Here's a Southern sports update from y'all.com. I'm Kobe Bennett. The PGA Championship returns next Thursday, May 20th through Sunday the 23rd. With last year's events having been delayed to August and lacking on-site fans due to COVID-19, this year's competition represents the slow return to normalcy as spectators will be rolling in once again. The upcoming tournament will take place at Kiowa Island's Ocean Course in South Carolina for the first time since 2012. There's been some considerable cooldown for the number one ranked golfer in the world and South Carolina's own Dustin Johnson. After his record-setting Masters win in November, Johnson has gone six straight tournaments without a top 10 appearance. In five of these contests, he finished outside the top 25, including missing the cut for last month's Masters. Dustin Johnson is not the only one in the slump right now, with Roy McIlroy missing the cut at the Masters as well, and U.S. Open champion Bryson DeChambeau finishing a disappointing 46th at Augusta. Kentucky's own Justin Thomas is a favorite to dethrone reigning champion Colin Morikawa, as JT has a history at the tournament where he won his only major championship, the 2017 PGA at Quail Hollow. Thomas has been going strong these last few weeks and looks to have good odds at the event. For coverage of the PGA Championship at Kiowa Island, tune in May 20th through the 23rd on ESPN and ESPN+. Southern sports headlines and more at y'all.com. And I cannot wait for the PGA Championship next week from Kiowa Island in South Carolina, the major in the South right here, one of our four majors. I guess you got the Masters this year, of course, in the South and the PGA Championship. Not sure where the U.S. Open is this year, but how about that? Kiowa, south of Charleston, getting a chance to host a major once again. Well, we're going to host a major hour of the Y'all Show. Coming up, a tribute to the Staple Singers. We'll play I'll Take You There, and we'll take you there after this break. You're listening to Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent.
Oh, the weekend's here. Let's get your party crowd going. It's the Y'all Show with John Rawl. And here's David Lee Murphy to get you ready for the weekend. She couldn't keep from crying When she told me goodbye Well, I knew, Lord, it was breaking her heart That she was breaking mine So for the sake of her feelings and the sake of my pride I told her not to worry about me So I'm sitting here soaking up the neon lights Misery looking for some company And tonight I'm looking for a party cry Slamming her back and laughing out loud With the smoke so thick the blues can't hang around With the jukebox jumping like I just don't care If they're dancing over here or fighting over there I'm making the rounds Looking for a party crowd It'll dawn on me tomorrow Wherever I wake up I'll look back and try to recall Just where the heck's my truck so take my keys and lock them up tight And let the good times flow And I worry about tomorrow when it comes to life The night's still young and I'm on the road tonight I'm looking for a party cry Slamming them back and laughing out loud With the smoke so thick and blues can't hang around with the jukebox jumping like it just don't care If they're dancing over here or fighting over there I'm making the rounds looking for a party crowd Oh yeah, the weekend is here. This is Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. And here in this segment of the show each week we try to get you in the mode for the weekend. And that's what we're doing right now. Oh, let me hear you. Let's sing along if you will. Yes, and tonight I'm looking for a party crowd Slamming them back and laughing out loud Where the smoke's so thick the blues can't hang around You've been trapped in an office all week It's time to just let it out Box jumping like it just don't care If they're dancing over here Or fighting over there I'm making the rounds Looking for a party crowd. You don't have to be a good singer. Come on, let's hear you. Tonight I'm looking for a party crowd. Slamming them back and laughing out loud where the smoke's so thick the blues can't hang around. With the jukebox jumping like it just don't care. Oh, man. Always getting us set for saturday sunday and of course friday night it's david lee murphy here on y'all talk with a southern accent and it's great to have you back here for hour two of this all southern program oh we've got a great hour plan here for you craig faulkner will be on in just a few minutes we got you in a party mode but we also want to get you in a outdoors mode and craig will do that courtesy of his fishing forecast and that'll be in the next segment of the program. Also, Art Cruz dropping by for the closing argument, hour three of today's show. All right, news we told you about here this week. Sadly, we lost a member of the famous staple singers, 
Purvis Staples passed away on May 6th, a little bit earlier in the month, but the news was just released this week. Purvis Staples was 85 years old, born in Drew, Mississippi, on the north end of Sunflower County, born in 1935, the second of five children. The family, like so many families back in that era of the Great Depression, relocated to Chicago, where their father, the children's father, Pop Staples, worked in a steel mill in order to keep his kids occupied while their mother worked the night shift at a downtown Chicago hotel. Pop Staples had them sit around in a circle and sing. This is the seed of what would eventually become the Staples Singers. You had Pops on guitar and his kids, Cleotha, as well as Purvis and Mavis on the uh, on the microphone singing. Now, Yvonne Staples would take Purvis's place when he was drafted into the Army in 1958. But this legendary music group with their origins in the Mississippi Delta went on to have wonderful success and influenced so many people. They became friends with people like Bob Dylan and more. And this week, Purvis Staples died at the age of 85, and he died in Dalton, Illinois, on May 6th. Suddenly, he died suddenly there at his home, according to a family spokesperson. Now, let me tell you a little bit about the Staple Singers. As we said, they got the, kind of their start because their mom and daddy were working, and they ended up singing, and I guess that family harmony led to what was their first professional contract in 1952. And during their early career, they recorded in an acoustic gospel folk style, and they did that for various labels like VJ Records, also Checker Records and Riverside Records. And they were their song, Uncloudy Day, an early influence on Bob Dylan. He said in 2015, it was the most mysterious thing I'd ever heard. I'd think about them even at my school desk. Mavis looked to be about the same age as me in her picture on the cover of Uncloudy Day. Her singing just knocked me out. And Mavis was a great singer, deep and mysterious. And even at the young age, I felt like itself was a mystery, that life itself was a mystery. That from a guy named Bob Dylan talking about the Staples Singers. Now, they recorded on Stax Records out of Memphis. And the Staples Singers' first Stax hit was Heavy Makes You Happy, Shanoom Boom Boom. Shanu, Shana Boom Boom. I don't, uh, I don't think I've heard that part of the song. That was out in 71. They also recorded Respect Yourself. That was written by Luther Ingram and Mac Rice, and it went to number two on the Billboard R&B chart, number 12 on the Billboard Hot 100 chart back in the early 70s. And then perhaps their biggest song came in 72, I'll Take You There, as it went to number one on multiple Billboard charts, a song written by Al Bell using his real name Albertus Isbell, the writer of I'll Take You There. It was originally performed by the Staple Singers, and the Staple Singer version produced by Bell was released by Stax in 1972, February to be specific, and it spent a total of 15 weeks on the charts. It reached number one on the Billboard Hot 100. It's ranked as the 19th biggest American hit of the year 1972. Now, this song, of course, a big hit in 72, but it ended up being covered in 1991 by B.B. and C.C. Winans, with Mavis Staples featured as a guest artist on their cover of this song. In 1994, the British band General Public released a cover of I'll Take You There, which peaked at number 22 on the Hot 100. The Staples Singer version, a wonderful song. I'm going to play it for you here in just a second. But, yeah, the song references civil rights and social conditions going on in the 1970s. 
Now, some people interpret the song as describing an imagined world in which the civil rights movement had succeeded with the line, no more smiling faces lying to the races. But a Rolling Stone editor described the song as the epitome of the Muscle Shoals sound. It was actually recorded in Sheffield, Alabama at the famous Muscle Shoals sound studio, overdubbed and mixed at Ardent Studios in Memphis by engineer Terry Manning. So a good combination of both the Muscle Shoals sound and Memphis coming together with this group out of Mississippi originally. And do you remember back in 97, I'll Take You There was used by Chevy for their advertisement of the Chevy Malibu. (laughs) Did you all own a Chevy Malibu in the 1990s? Well, maybe you bought that because of the I'll Take You There from the Staple Singers. So let's go back to 1972 with this Muscle Shoals studio recording of all of the Staple Singers. I'll Take You There. And a big hit from that year. And don't forget, right here, the male portion of the group, Purvis Staples. Don't want to forget that he passed away this week at 85 years old in Illinois. But he was a Southern boy at heart, for sure. All right, take it take it there. Take you there. I'll take you there from the Staples Singers. I know
All right, there's my new motto. Help me, y'all. Help me. Thanks to the Staple Singers and that big song from 1972, number one on the Hot 100 chart and the R&B chart. That was the first of a couple of number ones they had. They also had If You're Ready, Come Go With Me. That was a big hit in 73, went to number one on the R&B chart, and also had a number one in 75, a a number one on multiple fronts with Let's Do It Again, the Staple Singers. Mississippi bred, Chicago raised, but they came south to record these great songs, and we're happy about that. A great legacy there, and we remember Purvis Staples from that group who passed away at 85 here in the last couple of days. When we come back, we're going to shift from music to talking about fishing with Craig Faulkner. It's our fishing forecast, and it is up next. Help me, y'all. week here on talk with a southern accent and i know you're like me you're so excited you just can't wait oh you're it's here you can taste it It, it's the highlight of your week and it, it ain't the weekend i'm talking about it's the fishing forecast with craig faulkner and craig is in right now how about that build up as a dandy, uh, as a dandy. <laughs> you, you better not have an epic fail here. We're going to talk about the hunting and fishing of the South here for a few minutes. Craig is back with us here on the Y'all Show Friday edition. And last week, you you set it up. We had to have the actual report of what happened last week. You went off fishing with your grandson, Knox. How did that work out? Uh, win-win. It was a great day. Uh, I tell you, if there's a kid you can take fishing, you need to get after him and do it because... Uh, it's really rewarding for both of us, and uh, for you, uh, you get a lot of joy. You get joy from the kids. We caught some fish and uh, had a good time. It uh, slowed down for a bit, and uh, he started chasing and catching grasshoppers. I mean, like I said, a kid can have fun around a pond, fish biting or not. But uh, I guess one of the most rewarding things for me was uh, seeing how he's grown and developed over the years in his uh, – Fishing expertise has steadily increased, and uh, so moving on, uh, maybe next trip uh, will be a boat trip for him. I hadn't taken him on a bona fide fishing out of a boat trip yet, but uh, been building up to it, and I think he's about ready to go. All right. Again, he got that out of the way here, and a boat trip next, 
and that is Craig Faulkner's report from last weekend. You mentioned grasshoppers. Is that something you can catch and use as bait? Oh, absolutely. Uh, that he, shows how ignorant I am here. Yeah, he, he was actually catching grasshoppers and throwing them in the pond, watching fish come up and okay. grab them. Oh, I, yeah, I just know it. when you go to the bait store, you get crickets normally. Well, I don't well, ever hear people saying, I'm going to go get some grasshoppers. Well, uh, they don't sell grasshoppers. Okay. That's well, maybe that's why I haven't store. heard that. <laughs> but... Uh, yeah, everybody's got their preference on bait. You got people that uh, like the night crawlers. You got people that like the small wigglers. They're smaller than a night crawler. You, uh, so you got, hold on. What's a night crawler? What's a wiggler? Well, uh, a night crawler is a pretty large worm. Probably you know a four, real worm. A real worm. A wiggler is like a immature smaller worm. You, you can actually use wigglers. Are good for. Uh, Shellcracker or brim fishing. Uh, Nightcrawler would be more your bigger fish, like a catfish. You want a bigger presence of a bait out there. But, uh, I mean, people use crazy stuff for a catfish bait. Uh, some people swear by chicken livers. Some people swear by shrimp. Uh, one of my favorite all-around baits is a seasonal, and it's a southern bait, is a catawba worm. Uh only found on catawba trees. Hmm. A lot more of a, How big of a worm are we talking about? Uh, it, it looks more like a caterpillar. It's uh, chartreuse colored with a black stripe down it. And like I said, they only come out for about uh, one month out of the year. What, what I normally do, I, I've got, I don't know, a half dozen catawba trees behind my house. Uh, some years better than others. Uh, they usually come out right around the first part of July, uh, where I'm at, and uh, what I'll do is catch a bunch of them and uh, freeze them in small packages. So when the kids come out, I just pull a little Ziploc bag out, and I've got just about enough worms for one fishing trip. You can take them out of the freezer. I've got some that have been in there for over a year. I can take and, your, right. and your main freezer at your house. Oh, yeah. If oh, yeah. I go there to go get an, a popsicle, <laughs> I've got to go dig through worms to get a popsicle. Exactly. <laughs> that's pretty redneck right there. You know what's also pretty southern though? You talked about Catawbas. Mm-hmm. And that's a real southern thing right there. They're they're not all that numerous here in the Southland, but they really stand out compared to other trees. You said you've got a few on your property. I've got a half dozen or so. Mm-hmm. Sure do. And uh probably more than a half dozen now, but uh yeah, they're really pretty trees if you uh and uh, the catabbles, uh you know, they end up turning into a moth, and uh, and they come back and they come out of the ground. I, I had a problem uh, with armadillos coming over and digging up my front yard, and mm-hmm. uh, came home another day and was happy to see one that just got hit right in front of my house. <laughs> now, is that something that's legal to hunt anywhere, armadillos? I suppose you can shoot an armadillo anytime you Because that's to. an invasive species for exactly. most of the southeast. Exactly. And, uh, you know, I guess they're normally hunted by Ford pickup trucks and, yeah. and Nissan cars. <laughs> and maybe that's what got the one there on your property. Sorry about your loss. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my yard looks so much better. Does it really? Yeah. All right. Well, where are we going to be hunting and fishing this weekend, Craig? Well, uh, as far as my plans... Uh, ball's in another court right now because a uh, friend of mine has got a boat that they hadn't been out in yet. And uh, if they end up going or wanting to go, I'm going to help them uh, 
figure out the operations of this particular boat. And uh, and I'm sorry, how hard could it be to figure out how to run a boat? Well, somebody that doesn't have any experience around a boat, uh, and this is a uh, boat that was uh, customized. By customized, I mean it was put together. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it had a floor put in it. It's got the motor on the back. You, you got to know how to operate uh, transom savers, the motors, the trolling motor. Just to, just give a little instruction and help and uh, probably do some fishing at the same time. Now, if they end up not going, uh, I'm probably going to go uh, try some uh, crappie and see if some are still on the bed. And depending on your latitude in the south, uh, you're either in a uh, pre-spawn, a spawn, or a post-spawn period, depending on water temperature in your area. For crappie or all fish? For all fish. Okay. For all fish. They do it this time of year? Yes. And uh, they don't do it all at the exact same time. Some will spawn later. Uh, when spawn's over, for instance, for crappie, the females are generally the bigger fish. The females will lay their eggs and move, and the males will move in. So you actually can possibly catch more fish in a post-spawn. I got a buddy I fish with. He likes to post-spawn better than pre-spawn and uh, because there's more fish in there. They're not as big, but there's more to, more to catch. And uh, same goes for uh, largemouth and smallmouth bass. The big female lays its eggs, moves on, and the males come in to fertilize the eggs. And uh, so you... Wherever you're catching fish in pre-spawn, you can catch them also in post-spawn. And that's going on right now. And when when is it too late to do the spawn fishing? Well, like I said, it depends on your latitude, and which determines the water temperature. The deeper south you go, mm-hmm. of course, the warmer the surface temp is going to be. Uh, crappie tend to spawn in the uh, upper uh, 50s to the low 60s. Uh, bass will spawn in a little bit cooler water than that. Uh, brim spawn in a little bit warmer water than that. So brim are, brim, brim, brim are a good choice for uh, going after right now. Um, another thing that's going on right now this time of year uh, throughout the South, and I really encourage you to try this out if you haven't, is kids fishing rodeos. Oh, and what does that really mean? Well, it's like a uh, for older adults. You you have you know the Bass Masters, and, and it's a contest. Uh, you put together uh, different prizes for different events uh, or different categories, I should say. I've actually uh, uh, ran uh, four fishing rodeos uh, before fundraisers for a uh, for a place called Rainbow Riding Academy. They uh, have riding for disabled kids to teach them rhythm and horseback riding Mm -hmm. and and it's real fun Uh, we'd have different uh, age groups Uh, we'd all have the most fish caught award we'd have uh, biggest fish award in each age group category a whole lot of fun a whole lot of fun and uh, most of them are free or just a minimal cost Uh, a lot of them you know they supply bait uh, some of them supply the tackle, but in most cases, bring your own tackle. But uh, it's a real good, uh, real good event. It's a win-win for everybody. And me being the novice at this kind of stuff, is it just some name they came up with, rodeo, or does it have some kind of connection to the the old west? 
Well, uh, the uh, one that we had uh, at Rainbow Riding Academy, we actually did have a rodeo after the fishing contest. Did you? We had bull riding out there. Ooh, man. <laughs> I hate I missed that. We're mixing in fishing and bull riding more. Craig Faulkner, it's our fishing forecast here on the Y'all Show, and he's always looking for a good crappie spot. What about uh, – we, we want to get exclusive reports on this from you as we go forward into the summertime, but a lot of people are planning their vacations right now, and they want to go down to the Gulf or to the Atlantic coast and more. What is your experience in kind of getting prepped for going offshore fishing? Do you – Wait till you get down there yourself, or do you? How do you? How do you work that, Mister Fishing Forecast? I normally um, will contact a, a guide uh, before I even go, mm-hmm. and uh, I had one I used for years out of Orange Beach, uh, and he is retired, and I hadn't been down there some time. In fact, the last time I was at Gulf Shores was when the oil spill was out, uh-huh. and uh, no boats were going out back then. Uh, in fact, the uh, captains were being paid not to go out uh, by the federal government. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, speaking of Orange Beach, uh, that's a great place to fish out of, Gulf Shores right there on the Florida and Alabama line. Um, there's also a great pier down there at Gulf Shores, a fishing pier. And, uh, yeah, I, I would look ahead and research that. Uh, another option you have uh, – is fishing inland, and I've enjoyed that. And while at the beach, you can go inland. While at the beach, you can go inland for uh, speckled trout and redfish, and it's more like fishing freshwater lakes in this area. But it's uh, you know brackish saltwater that you're fishing. But uh, I enjoy that. And when I go down there, I normally try to do both. So I'll, you're talking about getting prepared. I, I'll carry my own tackle for the inland fishing. Oh, do you? And then, you know, when you're going on a uh, charter boat, they're going to provide uh, equipment, uh, you know, some pretty heavy gear. It's not the kind of equipment you would uh, have living inland like I do. Mm-hmm. Well, as we move forward through the summer, I definitely want to kind of hammer down on some of these Gulf Coast and Atlantic Coast options, too. Because that's fishing, but yeah. it's a different oh, yeah. way of fishing. And, and, and speaking of a different way of fishing, uh, one of the things I really enjoy, I have enjoyed over the years about fishing, is going to different areas, uh, fishing for different species, uh, and different techniques. Uh, it's one of the more interesting uh, things to me about fishing. Uh, it's uh, it's all new to you when you get there. Uh, and it doesn't matter what you're fishing for. If you're a deep-sea bottom fisherman or you're a bass fisherman or a cat fisherman, fishing's uh international language. And people that really enjoy fishing, uh, they have a bond with that fishing. And we're hoping that bond's coming through right here on our fishing forecast with Craig Faulkner. I will ask, just in, in that preparation of getting ready to go off on vacation to another state, how difficult is it to get a fishing permit from another state when you are on something like a vacation? Well, actually, uh, if you're going out in the um, Gulf with a uh, captain on a charter boat, uh, the fishing license is included in your fee. Uh, now, if you're going to go down there and surf fish or uh, you know 
fish off pier, mm-hmm. you can buy a, a daily or a weekly uh, permit. So those things are more about making money for our state rather than making sure you know all the rules and all that stuff. Is that how it works? Uh, actually, uh, most states uh, survive their uh, their resources department. Uh, get the majority of their money from fishing license. Hmm. It's not government taxes. It's, oh. uh, it's the fishing license that uh, help and, and the hunting license and hmm. hunting. Uh, they're not uh, driven by taxes, tax, tax dollars, I should say. Did not know that. Yeah. Anything in terms of wild game I need to know about before we sign off here with uh, you today? Something I was wanting to include last time that I forgot about. That I hadn't done it in years, but I used to really like it. Is frog gigging. Ooh. And uh, frog gigging can be a lot of fun. That, that's F R O G for those who are <laughs> Craig impaired. Frog gigging. Frog all right. gigging, yeah. Frog gigging's wide open right now. Is you, it? You just, just stick your ear out the window and listen for the bullfrogs talking. Are there rules about frog gigging? Uh, actually, on state owned lakes, there are. Uh, private lakes, uh, there's not, uh, because I've caught frogs by hand. I've got them with a gig and shot them with a 22 rifle. <laughs> but uh, on state-owned lakes, uh, 22 rifle would be a no-no. Mm. But they do have seasons on state-owned lakes. Do they really? Also. All right, well, check your respective state out. Make sure you're following the rules. But, yeah, it's frog hunting time in the Southland. That sounds exciting. I actually have tried to do that once. I didn't have any success. No luck. No, no luck. luck. But I, I'll uh, between the frogs and the crappie, we're going to get everybody here acclimated to life in the southeast in terms of the outdoors. Craig Faulkner, our fishing forecast. Thank you so much for dropping by. Thank we you, John. wish you all the best with your frogs and your crappie here and whatever else you've got on your radar to catch or or track down over the weekend. Thank you, sir. Thank you, John. We will have more of the show that's all about the South coming right up. we got to look at some news and notes and movie talk as well. me johnny shines this is y'all talk with a southern accent rolling on with more of our second hour as we wrap up a week of talking about dixie and we're having a good time hope you're having a good time learning so much about fishing and i'll tell you what craig faulkner has gone through an intense filter of 
southern dialect and more. That's an authentic accent he's got there. He's not an actor when he comes in here and talks about fishing. Now, he might be lying about what he's catching, but he, he's got a pretty pure southern voice, don't you think? Maybe a little bit more sexier than yours truly, but that's all right. Good on him. This is Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent. We're going to be talking about movies here in just a few minutes, but before we get that to you, we want to give you an update on news across the Southland and desperate for workers, American restaurants and stores and websites like Amazon are really stepping up the pay as they're having a shortage of employees. And you probably have experienced this in places you might have gone in in the recent days with more and more businesses trying to get back to full capacity. And unfortunately, the former employees that were there pre-pandemic, a lot of them are no longer working there, and you're seeing a shortage of qualified workers. And because of that, restaurants and other chains like McDonald's are making drastic measures to try to keep or get back, recruit, if you will, qualified workers. McDonald's said Thursday they're going to raise pay for workers in its 650 company-owned stores to an average of $15 by 2024. Entry-level employees will make $11 an hour at McDonald's. Amazon said it will pay new hires $17 an hour as it seeks to add 75,000 new workers. And small businesses around the Southland are likely also having to pay a little bit more to attract and retain employees. Some people are just not working right now. And McDonald's and other big companies, as well as our small businesses around the country, having to take drastic measures to kind of keep things going. President Joe Biden announced Thursday a great day for America as vaccinated people, those who are fully vaccinated at least, can mostly ditch their mask. They don't have to wear the mask all the time, especially if they're outdoors and going to concerts, either outdoors or indoors, during a news conference at the Rose Garden. The president announcing again, today is a great day for America. If you're fully vaccinated, you can you don't no longer have to wear a mask. Biden said, get vaccinated or wear a mask until you do. Okay, I would say probably need to get vaccinated if you want to not to have to wear that darn thing anymore. Pretty good point there. Jill Biden, speaking of President Biden, his wife was not around most of Thursday. She went to West Virginia, and at West Virginia, she was joined by a native West Virginian to help promote what's going on with the vaccination in high schools. Jennifer Garner, the actress, joined Jill Biden as they went to a high school there, met by an Army ROTC or JROTC unit there. And Jill Biden, who said she felt naked when she got off the plane there in Charleston, Without wearing the mask, the 69-year-old landed in Charleston at 2 p.m., got off the mask, greeted by Jennifer Garner. And Jennifer Garner, of course, who you know from all types of movies like Alias, she was wearing a black mask to match her pretty outfit, but she ended up taking it off once Jill Biden was there. The two women who actually know each other from their work with Save the Children were also joined by West Virginia Senator Joe Manchin, who had traveled to his native state to be there with the first lady of the country. Colonial Pipeline has said that they have, our our stories out where Colonial Pipeline, that's the pipeline that was shut down earlier this week after hackers affected its production and they shut down and it drastically affected pipeline supply and it still is in some cases across much of the Southeast. According to a story out, Colonial Pipeline paid nearly $5 million to Eastern European hackers Today, contradicting reports earlier this week that the company was not going to pay an extortion fee to help restore 
the largest fuel pipeline in the country. Now, this is a story out. I'm getting it from AL.com, and it's an article originally from the Tribune News Service, but two sources cited for this story that they actually paid $5 million to these extortionists to try to get this pipeline going. I shared a story earlier this week. A guy that I know had this similar type thing happen to his small business, and it was worth him going to an ATM in Charlotte, North Carolina. The hackers told him to go to this one ATM with a debit card and pay somewhere like $1,000. And if if he did that, they would get him back up and going, and they did. And it looks like that's what's happened here with $5 million going to these hackers, if indeed this story true coming out of Georgia where Colonial Pipeline is anchored. Tennessee, the state of Tennessee, Governor Bill Lee is teaming up with Tim Tebow. Say what? Tim Tebow, you know, Florida Gator. Uh, And for Titans fans, now a member of the rival Jaguars. Why would Tennessee be doing that? Well, Tennessee's teaming up with the Tim Tebow Foundation. Governor Bill Lee in Nashville this week announcing a new series of partnerships to fight human trafficking in the volunteer state. According to the Tennessee Bureau of Investigation, human trafficking exploits a person for labor, services, or commercial sex, and it particularly impacts women and children. The TBI says that cases have been reported in every county of Tennessee, and it is one of the fastest-growing crimes in the entire country. So Governor Bill Lee teaming up with multiple agencies and partnerships with Agencies like In Slavery Tennessee, Grow Free Tennessee, Thistle Farms, Restore Core, and the Tim Tebow Foundation. In fact, $1.2 million is going to her song, a ministry of the Tim Tebow Foundation. That is probably a organization that helps those who have been part of the trafficking industry, if you will, and the Tim Tebow Foundation coming in to help them out. If you suspect someone you know is involved in human trafficking, and if you're in Tennessee, call the Tennessee Human Trafficking Hotline at 1-855-558-6484. And this is, again, not just a Tennessee problem. This is all over the country, all over the South, human trafficking and more. And now Tennessee, the state and the government there, the governor in particular, teaming up with people like the hated Tim Tebow, (laughs) Tennessee Vol fans, but a good guy. In fact, you might have heard in hour one, Art Cruz was in with an encore, and he he, he mentioned how he really liked Tim Tebow. I liked Tim Tebow, and we wish him well if he is going to be a Jacksonville Jaguar this coming football season. In the Sunshine State, a lawyer there has been jailed after ramming her SUV into her ex-husband's home, then threatened to kill his girlfriend, and to top it all off, Francine Blair Bugamil, age 40, spit on a sheriff's deputy. And all this happened in the Miami area this week. The 40-year-old lawyer driving her Land Rover into the back of a GMC Yukon parked in her ex-husband's driveway. And all this happened at 3 in the morning, by the way, on April 30th. And she had left her 5-year-old and 11-year-old children alone at her house to go over to her ex-husband's and, and I guess, his girlfriend's um where they were hanging out, if you will. The four slammed the Yukon into her ex-husband's garage door, pushing the door inward about two to three feet, according to documents. When her ex-husband came out of his house, he witnessed her throwing objects at his girlfriend's BMW. How about that? The girlfriend with a Beamer. Breaking its windows, according to the report. And the ex-husband, 
told deputies he called 911 and attempted to get Bugamil and his girlfriend, saying that he slapped Bugamil once after she slapped him twice. Just a real, real ugly scene there in Orange County, Florida. When a sheriff's deputy arrived, told her to stop shouting, the lawyer said, no F you, and spat on him, according to the report. <laughs> yeah, she's going to be in a lot of hot water. She'll have to serve 51 weeks in the Orange County Jail after pleading no contest to the charges. God, 51 weeks. That's almost a year. <laughs> and she's also been suspended from the Florida bar with a judge there recommending her permanent disbarment. Yeah, bad woman in Florida, this time a, a lawyer, causing this much grief. And then lastly, from Texas, Yingling beers expected to hit Lone Star State shelves in the fall of this year. The beer will be produced by the Molson Coors facility in South Fort Worth. Yes, for the first time, this 192-year-old brewery will have its beer sold in Texas. The secret family recipes and proprietary yeast from Pennsylvania's D.G. Yingling and Son Incorporated arriving at the Molson Coors facility in South Fort Worth, where the beer is going to be produced. The goods transported by armored truck from Pennsylvania from Pottsville Brewery with a Fort Worth police escort. So I guess uh, Shinerbach better look out. England coming into the Lone Star State wanting to give a little competition, if you will, on the beer market of the Lone Star State. I don't know what the rules are in all of our southern states when it comes to brew, but Yingling, I guess, may not be as, quite as readily available as you might think. In Texas, you're going to have to get ready for Yingling beer. Look out. When we come back on the Y'all Show, we're going to give you the alert on the new movies hitting theaters this weekend. It's our final segment before our closing argument commences in Hour 3. This is Y'all with John Rawl. 803-816-1170 is how you can get in touch with y'all. Hang on. Just can't forget I can't pretend it's okay No other one could ever replace you So I'll keep on believing and dreaming of you Soft steel guitar, oh how I've missed you. Uh, we've missed you, Alan Jackson. That is the brand new Alan Jackson song from the album that is out today. It's a 21-track album, and that's the title song there. Where Have You Gone from A.J. Alan Jackson. It's a little country music alert for you here. Brand new today. Go download it if you want from Alan Jackson. First album from him in a number of years. I'll tell you what, you can download, but I'd prefer you go actually to a real movie theater. Let's give you a quick look at brand new movies here on this 14th day of May 2021. 
Spiral is brand new. It's out. Chris Rock is in this alongside Samuel L. Jackson. That ought to be a fun movie. A criminal mastermind unleashes a twisted form of justice in Spiral, the terrifying new chapter from the Book of Saul. Spiral out in theaters this weekend. Those Who Wish Me Dead, that is a action drama starring Angelina Jolie. And a teenage murder witness finds himself pursued by twin assassins in the Montana wilderness with a survival expert tasked with protecting him. That is out. Those who wish me dead. The killing of two lovers is out right now. Chris Coy, Clayne Crawford, and others in this drama. The killing of two lovers. The man in the hat. This is a movie that's got Stephen Delane and Sasha Hales. The man in the hat journeys through France in a a man in the hat journeys through France in a Fiat 500 accompanied by a framed photograph of an unknown woman. I'm not sure I'm going to see that one. It's a comedy, by the way. Finding You Out This Weekend. That's got Catherine McNamara and Vanessa Redgrave in this drama romance, if that's something you want to take a sweetie to this weekend. Profile, a mystery thr- thriller is out. That's got Christine Adams and Valine Kane. An undercover British journalist infiltrates the online propaganda channels of the so-called Islamic State. Profile out in select theaters this weekend. The Jean is out this weekend. Ezra Dewey, Robbie Brownstein is in this one as well. Riders of Justice out as well as Georgetown. Christoph Waltz is there. You might know him from a lot of those fun movies. Christoph, he's from Austria, I believe is his native country. Vanessa Redgrave and Annette Bening star in Georgetown. Ulrich Mott, an ambitious social climber, marries a wealthy widow in Washington, D.C. in order to mix with powerful political players. This is actually kind of a bio Georgetown out this weekend. Love that guy, Christoph Waltz. All that right there, brand new movies hitting theaters this weekend. This is the Y'all Show. We'll go to a break. Our closing argument from Art Cruz is headed your way in hour number three. This is Talk with a Southern Accent. Sweet country music, please come back home. Back into Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent, our closing argument, hour three on this Friday, Art Cruz in with me. I'm John Rawl, and if you want to be part of the show all about the South, our number is 803-816-1170. Our website is y'all, Y-A-L-L.com, the best four-letter word out there, y'all.com, the homepage of the South. Got college baseball going on this weekend. You got a top four matchup in Knoxville, Tennessee, and Arkansas. That'll be on the tele- on the SEC network. Portions of that network will have that this weekend. Also, top 25 baseball from college this weekend. Louisville will be in Chapel Hill to take on the Tar Heels. Kentucky and South Carolina have a series in Lexington. FSU host Clemson this weekend. Mississippi State fresh off a win Thursday over Missouri. They get back together this evening. And got a series there at Duty Noble, Southern Miss, and Florida Atlantic on the diamond with a top 20 matchup for Southern Miss. Charlotte, the 49ers, are are at Rice this weekend. NC State's got Pitt. Texas Tech will be taking on Oklahoma in the Big 12 in college baseball. Louisiana Tech will be hosting the Roadrunners of UTSA in a series. East Carolina will be at Cincinnati. Also, Vanderbilt and Mississippi getting together at Swayze Field, Oxford University Stadium for a series of two top 20 teams. Vanderbilt number two 
in the land right now. TCU has UL in University of Louisiana Monroe into Fort Worth this weekend. Also, you've got Southern Miss with a series at Florida Atlantic this weekend. And you also finally have from the South the Florida Gators ranked number nine in college baseball. They've got Georgia there in Gainesville this weekend. Mr. Baseball. Can I go ahead and give you that title, Art Cruz? I'm going to get you to talk about some major league stuff, but what do you think about what we got in tap on tap for college baseball this weekend? Oh, this, this is a great weekend. I, I, I don't know if Bob Euchre has Mr. Baseball copyrighted or not, <laughs> but just in case he does, I'm, I'm giving you my disclaimer on that nickname. Well, I'll, I'll go ahead and add basketball and, and football to your credentials, if, if you don't mind, I'm as well. massaging my ego this yeah, morning, Yeah, John. yeah, yeah. I'm, that's, that's what I'm here for. All right, so we talked about – let's talk about two of our SEC representatives representatives in the matchups here this weekend of of matchups of top 20 SEC teams going at it. Arkansas, Tennessee, Vanderbilt, Mississippi. You'll have a chance to see some of these games on the boob tube, if you will. What do you think about those matchups featuring those two teams from the volunteer state? Well, you know, isn't it great that this time of year uh, – as one of my favorite announcers says, Ole Abner's done it again. And uh, Ole Abner has certainly done it again as far as the schedule goes. Uh, those are two marquee matchups. The only shame is uh, you may miss some of one game trying to watch portions of the other game. Uh, really looking forward to both those series this weekend. Uh, in Knoxville, they're going to have 100% capacity back once again in Lindsey Nelson Stadium just in time for the Razorbacks to come in as the number one team in the country. And frankly, I can't wait uh, until uh, until that gets going. All right, and the Vols, a dramatic turnaround. Do you think Tennessee baseball last year before the coronavirus hit would Tennessee have had a wonderful 2020 season if things had not been halted? Oh, I think so. Okay. I think last year was the turnaround year for Tennessee. Uh, Tony Vitello has come in, uh, turned the program around. I can I can just only hope that uh, they take care of their coaches that win like Tony Vitello as well as they take care of coaches that lose like um, Jeremy Pruitt and Butch Jones up on the hill. Those guys were paid dearly to leave and not win. Uh, Tennessee has a coach right now that is there and he's winning. So uh, let's hope that the athletic department uh, turns over a new leaf and rewards a coach like Tony Valls. I like that, Tony Valls. And remember, if you've kept up with college baseball in the last five years for sure, Tennessee's been god-awful. I mean, they, they really have. Well, they've been, they, they were awful uh, for a long time. Uh, quite frankly, um, they have attempted to upgrade their program in the past, oh, seven years or so. Uh, they've made some big-name hires that just simply didn't work out. Uh, Vitello was an assistant coach at Missouri, assistant coach at Arkansas, has come in and turned the program around. Uh, Lindsey Nelson Stadium is probably one of the smallest, if not the smallest, venue uh, in the Southeastern Conference. Uh, to keep Vitello, UT is going to have to pay him a little more money, and they're going to have to upgrade the facilities as well. Uh, we'll see how that goes. SEC softball tournament taking place in Tuscaloosa this weekend. You can tune in and see some of that action as well. On this Friday, Missouri and Florida are playing to try to compete to get to that championship game on Saturday. The Tennessee Vols softball getting it done as well. The Lady Vols taking on the host team Alabama. That's set for a 6.30 
Eastern time, 5.30, Tuscaloosa time, first pitch as softball is winding its season down with the SEC tournament. ACC Big 12 also having their respective tournaments here this weekend, and I guess they'll start their postseason next week. College baseball, a few more weeks away from their postseason beginning. Major League Baseball, what's on tap for Major League Baseball? The White Sox and Royals have a twin bill on this Friday, and that's at Guaranteed Rate Field there in Chicago. The Giants and Pirates getting together along the banks of the Monongahela. The Yankees and Orioles will have a series in Baltimore this weekend. The L.A. Angels will be in Beantown to take on the Red Sox. The Chicago Cubs will have an interleague series against the Detroit Tigers this weekend. Rays and Mets interleague action from Tropicana Field this weekend. The Phillies will be taking on the Blue Jays in Buffalo for a series. Or actually, that said, uh, done it in Florida. They still haven't. They still haven't gone north yet. I don't know when a Blue Jay flies back north, but evidently it's still in Florida for uh, for Toronto. Not until Prime Minister Trudeau says that the Blue Jays. Well, I'm just talking about north. flying back to Buffalo. See, they're still playing here oh. this week in Dunedin, Florida, at TD Ballpark. Well, where would you rather play, Dunedin, Florida, or Buffalo, New York? I, I choose Florida. I, I like chicken wings so i'm not i'm not sure on that one braves and brewers getting together at american family field i guess the former miller park has got a new name milwaukee is where that series between the former milwaukee braves and the hometown brewers now and then lastly this evening you got the athletics and twins getting together in minneapolis the rangers and astros with an all lone star series from minute maid park this weekend rockies and reds d-backs nationals Mariners, Indians with a series, Dodgers, Marlins taking place at Dodger Stadium this weekend, and lastly, the St. Louis Cardinals and the San Diego Padres from Petco Park here this weekend. One of those teams I mentioned, the Oakland Athletics, they're playing this weekend on the road. Are they going to be playing somewhere else in the future? It came out this week that Major League Baseball says, hey, Oakland, you might just want to start thinking about going somewhere else. So, Art Cruz I'm here today to talk to you about that potential move, and is there a chance the A's could end up being the Tennessee Athletics and or the Charlotte Athletics? Well, absolutely. The, the, the A's have been trying to put through a deal to play somewhere besides the Oakland-Alameda Coliseum for a good while. Ever since the, the Oakland A's became the A's, uh, moving from Kansas City, they've played in what? a lot of people call the mausoleum. It's not a good place for baseball. That's quite frankly not a good stadium for football. Just like any other stadium, uh, it's built. It's fine for its time, but time marches on. Uh, Father time is undefeated, even with reference to architecture and stadium construction. And the local government, the state government, Major League Baseball, and the ownership of uh, the Oakland A's simply haven't been able to get a deal done uh, to build a new stadium. So, uh, is there a possibility that the Oakland A's will move out of Oakland? Yes, I think so. There's no doubt in my mind. When you have Major League Baseball publicly, <laughs> publicly pronouncing A's, you might want to start looking around. Uh, Major League Baseball at that point is 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 um, basically telling Oakland and the other parties concerned, when I say Oakland, I mean the city of Oakland, the county, Alameda County, uh, either get this deal done or we're going to look somewhere else. The only question is, would they look for Nashville? Uh, And I don't think so. Uh, 
I think Nashville's an attractive target. I'm just not so sure that Major League Baseball would take a team out of the western part of the United States and move them across the country to Nashville. I don't think Nashville, quite frankly, John, is is the best uh, location possibility for Major League Baseball, be it an expansion team or a team that's moving. You've got Nashville, you've got Las Vegas, you've got Portland, and Montreal, normally mentioned as the top four teams um, that are candidates for Major League Baseball. You just wonder, uh, it would please me to death if they if they moved them to Nashville, but you just got to wonder whether it would upset the balance of the leagues and the balance of the divisions too much to move Oakland uh, all the way to Nashville. Portland, uh, as I stated, uh, is obviously right up the coast from Oakland. And it would be a pretty seamless move there uh, in terms of geography. But gee whiz, I mean, do you want a team in Portland where the mayor – what are you going to call them, the Portland Antifas? That would go. Change it from athletics to Antifas. Yeah, then you still be the A's, but uh, I don't know that I'd want that kind of headache. Um, well, I've heard most people that I've heard say that Las Vegas is the likely landing spot. Well, it would certainly be highly likely for the A's. If you just take a poll, a raw poll of people – as to what city in the country would be the next likely landing spot for Major League Baseball, you'll find that Nashville outpolls even Las Vegas. However, with reference to the A's, I think Vegas probably pulls a little ahead because of location, for the reasons I've mentioned earlier. You've got a similar problem brewing in Florida with Tampa Bay. You've got a a situation there where uh, the city doesn't really support or I won't say the city, the surrounding community doesn't really support the A's as far as rear ends in the seats. They, too, have an awful stadium situation. I've been to quite a few Major League Baseball parks, but I've never been to one that I would just call depressing other than in Tampa. Uh, it It is just a horrible place to play any kind of sport, baseball included. So will Tampa Bay be one of those teams that relocates here in the future? In the baseball, they need a 30-second team, so the possibilities are out there. Relocation, one possibility. Expansion, another possibility. Hopefully out of Tampa Bay, Oakland, and expanding, Nashville will be in the mix uh, to to be the the home of a major league team uh, by the mid-2020s, let's say. I think your math might have been confused with the NFL. There's only 30 Major League Baseball teams, correct? Oh, gosh. Don't ask me to do no, there, There's only 30 MLB teams. There's 32 NFL teams. So that's why You're expansion. You're asking me to do math live on the yes, air. Yes, I am. Uh, but the, the fact is they Major League Baseball could expand to 32 teams. and They could have the A's relocate. They could have the Rays relocate. And they could add two new teams if they wanted to. And that's probably the best situation, the best scenario for Nashville is uh, to get an expansion team. You know, for all the talk about moving around, teams just don't move around very much, John. I mean, the A's moved from Kansas City to Oakland. And they moved from Philadelphia to uh, Kansas City. Well, I'm talking about in recent history. Though. Well, I I say, like that, you know, 70 years ago is recent to me. 
Well, uh, we have a different different definition uh, of recent <laughs> then. Uh, but if you talk about recent history, then we can go back and capture uh, the Seattle pilots moving to Milwaukee uh, to become the Brewers. After one year. And uh, the Braves moving from Milwaukee to Atlanta. Point being, we're having to go back several years, 70 years, as you say, uh, we have to talk about 70 years as part of recent history if we're going to talk about baseball franchises relocating. It just doesn't happen very often. And I think the people in Nashville are more looking toward getting an expansion team. I mean, they've got some heavy hitters. Look on up on the – I can't remember the name of the website. I think it's Music City Baseball possibly. But Alberto Gonzalez, I mean, they have some heavy hitters that are behind – uh, baseball in Nashville. Alberto Gonzalez, of course, was uh, the attorney general uh, for under the in the Bush administration. Uh, a lot of entertainment people are part of the future board uh, for Nashville for Music City Baseball. They have they have aligned things well in Nashville. They're doing a good job of getting ready. Uh, the question is always, of course. If you build it, will they come? Do you build a, a stadium before you get an obligation from Major League Baseball? Tough in these economic times to do that anymore. Uh, but I don't know of any city, and, I, and I've looked at them, I don't know of any city that is Major League Baseball ready now that is in line to receive a franchise either by expansion or moving. I think everybody would have to build a stadium and uh, – I think Nashville, the only question is, in my mind, John, if they would support three major league teams, they'd have baseball, hockey, uh, and um, and uh, what else do they have? What else do they have? Baseball, hockey. The Titans. And the Titans, little of team course. called the uh, Tennessee the Titans. Titans. Would they support three teams? I, I don't know. Uh, people wow. question whether they'd support one. The answer was yes. People question whether they'd support two, and the answer was yes. So we'll see. Yeah, I mean, the the – the short end of the stick should have been the Nashville Predators because they actually were the first professional team in Nashville. And a year later, the Oilers end up falling in Nashville's lap. The Predators are not hurting for loyalty. They've got tons of fans. I think they sell out every chance they get there. It's, it's uh, to their credit, hockey in the South works with the Nashville Predators. The Titans are beloved throughout the state of Tennessee, frankly. Yeah, the um – the Predators have been obviously a big hit in the NHL, and the NHL has signed a new television contract with ESPN, which is only going to bring more exposure to the NHL and to the Predators. A huge success story in Nashville. Uh, I believe I'm one of those people that believe Nashville could and will support Major League Baseball, and I believe they will have a team. Um, in our in our not too distant future. Yeah, MLB Music City is the website Ark was okay. referencing. And if you haven't been there, check it out. Some heavy hitters: Eddie George, the TSU Tigers head football coach, picture there, as well as Luke Combs, country music singer, Mitchell Tenpitty, also announcing his involvement with Music City Baseball. They're working hard to get a team to Nashville, and they've got a drawing of the proposed stadium. This would be built on the east bank of the Cumberland, there, just downstream. Uh, would be technically mm-hmm. upstream Probably. from the Tennessee Titans Nissan Stadium, and boy, it looks it looks exciting. Um, I think I saw something about the pedestrian bridge right there, uh, just around the stadium for the Titans would be a big player in 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 the kind of uh, 
footprint this thing's going to have there in Nashville could happen. Charlotte also trying to get in on the fun as the Carolinas, when you combine two states in this case, could be a big player in Major League Baseball as well. I'm, I'm going to be pushing for Charlotte and Nashville both to get Major League franchises if they're going to expand. Much better to go here than places like Portland and or I saw Vancouver, British Columbia listed as a possibility. And Montreal, of course. Montreal has had a Major League Baseball team. It was taken uh, away from Montreal for various reasons. Montreal is a good baseball town. Uh, Always has been a a good baseball town. It was a a farm team for the L.A. Dodgers for years and years. It's just we need one down here in Nashville more than they need one in in the Fort Frozen North. Okay. All right. Well, that is a developing story, as we say. Will Major League Baseball actually do something with the athletics? Will they expand? We'll be right here on the Y'all Show to kind of keep you posted on what all is going on there. Now, this is more of a minor league question for you, Art, but now minor league baseball is up and going, and minor league baseball was completely overhauled in this offseason. Some great cities around the south like the Lexington what were they called? Lexington Legends mm-hmm. out of the Sally League. They had been the two-time defending champion of the South Atlantic League. There is no more Lexington Legends. There's no more Jackson Generals out of the Southern League, the two-time defending Southern League champ. You saw teams pulled from certain markets, and a shift around the Major League Baseball's footprint on minor league was very devastating to some markets here over the last couple of months. And now the question is, what about housing for minor league baseball players? How is that handled, and what's going on there? Well, in my mind, the the pay for minor league baseball players has been a a stain on Major League Baseball uh, for years. Finally, this year, you mentioned housing. Uh, finally, uh, some teams are starting to provide housing for their minor league players. Uh, the Astros are one of the first teams that are doing that, providing apartments uh, for players at all levels of their minor leagues this year. Of course, we have now, as you mentioned, the overhaul. We only have low A, high A, double A, and triple A minor leagues anymore. But uh, the Astros have stepped up uh, and have decided to provide housing for their minor league baseball players this year. John, when they when they contracted, when Major League Baseball contracted all of these minor league teams, it was supposedly uh, – primarily a cost-cutting move, but Major League Baseball, no one is crying poverty among the owners at Major League Baseball. And I mentioned a moment ago that I thought it was a stain on Major League Baseball's house, the way they've treated their minor leaguers for years, and I still maintain that, even though some teams are finally stepping up and providing housing for their players. And the reason I say that Major League Baseball ought to be ashamed is before this year, if you were a Class A player, you could be paid legitimately $290 a week to play baseball. Now, I know these kids are young. We've all been young once, but you cannot live on $290 per week. And some of these kids obviously are married, and you certainly can't uh, be married and live on that much money. Now, double A before this year, $350 a week. 
I just don't think a lot of people who are even baseball fans realize how Major League Baseball takes advantage of their minor leaguers. Now, if you're a free agent assigned to a minor league team or if you're on the 40-man roster, then that's a different situation. You'll be paid more. But if you're just a, quote, normal, close quote, minor leaguer, if you're a triple-A player this year, your your salary has to be at least $700 a week. Now, you can have your opinion on whether that's enough, whether that's too much. My opinion is, quite frankly, is that Major League Baseball is still taking advantage of these kids. You know, you can be pl- you could be paid before this year in AAA $500 a week. Now, their salary only lasts for that five-month period while they're playing. So we're talking getting paid ten, twelve thousand dollars a year while you're pursuing your profession. No wonder kids go and play baseball. Excuse me, go and play. Um, quite frankly, other sports before baseball if they're looking for money. If you, you can look at Major League Baseball and the way they've treated their minor leagues and compare it to the way kids are paid in the NBA or the NHL. And baseball doesn't come off looking too well. If you're a triple-A player this year in Major League Baseball, your minimum salary is $14,700 per year. And believe me, a lot of those guys make the minimum. fourteen seven a year. <laughs> you get a $25 per diem while you're on the road. That's basically one decent meal a day. Uh, if you compare that to basketball players in the NBA's version of the minor leagues, the G League, the minimum salary there in the G League is $35,000 a year. And twice as much per diem on the road, $50. Now, being a kid at one time in my life, I could see living on that much money, but it's <laughs> going to be tough to live on $14,700. And even the hockey uh, players that are playing in the AHL, which is the minor leagues for the National Hockey League. Hockey doesn't make as much money as basketball or baseball. They don't have a, a television contract uh, in the United States that covers the United States in general. As I said, they will uh, in the future with ESPN, but their local market contracts, uh, the building sizes are small, so the revenue is just not as great in hockey as it is in baseball or football. Uh, But even in the American Hockey League, the minimum salary is $52,000 a year. Hmm. So I think it's it's time that Major League Baseball stepped up and provided some perks and raised the salaries of these minor league players. And I'm I'm glad to see that the Astros are doing it uh, without having to bang too many trash cans. (laughs) We will pick up this discussion after this timeout. You're listening to Y'all Talk with a Southern Accent.
All right, we're back on Y'all Talk with an accent on everything Southern. I'm John Raw with Art Cruz. It's our closing argument, and we're closing up the week here on this Friday, Fry-yay, and kind of picking up our discussion from the previous segment of Y'all, 803-816-1170, if you want to say something about what we're talking about. Hey, I lived in a house, Art. I did not live in the same room. I lived in the same house a couple of years ago with a double-A minor league baseball player who was currently playing right, right. In, in the in the in the midst of a season and we were in sharing the same house so i got to know him a little bit he was a, a smart guy he actually graduated mm-hmm. from wake forest was a right. pitcher mm-hmm. and he had a young wife and a young child and they all lived in the same house i was in mm. and you were mentioning in the previous segment about the way these guys get paid and such this deal with minor league baseball is it's bad enough they're not getting paid but my goodness where do these guys even live? In this case, this guy lived in the house with me. And just as you might expect, he's a minor league player. About uh, three months of living there, they ship him off to the AAA team. Right. So what does he do for his lease? I mean, what, what happens? Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. you tell me, sir. Well, um, puts these kids, and I say the kids, I, they are to me, in a bad situation because before this year, uh, before Houston started doing this, and I've got to believe other major league teams will start providing housing. You're exactly right. Do you sign a lease? If you sign a lease and you're doing everything you can in playing baseball in an attempt to get promoted to the next highest level, if you're in A, you want to get promoted to AAA. Excuse me, AA and AA to AAA. So what do you do? You have a wife and you have a small child. You've got to provide a decent place for them to live. You can't sign a lease because if you sign that lease and you get promoted you have to pay the rest of that lease term legally the law demands that you do so you certainly don't have enough money to pay housing in both places the place where you were promoted from and the place you're promoted to before um, last year john a lot of minor leaguers would stay with what they called host families um, families would invite these minor league players into their homes and would provide a place for a minor leaguer to stay. But with the with the coronavirus, you know, the market the the bottom fell out of that market. Of course, nobody wanted a stranger to come in and live with them. So these kids are really out in the cold in terms of what to do for housing, especially with the uh, the the host family situation not being the way it used to be. And uh, there's no more better time for uh, Major League Baseball to step up and do something about uh, these players than now. Very well put. Art Cruz, our attorney on staff, and uh, he's getting a draw from us for his legal counsel. Well, there must be an intermediary somewhere. I must have an, <laughs> an agent or a manager that I'm not aware of because none of that consideration has flowed to me yet. But I'll be looking. That's good good news to yeah. know, especially uh, on a Friday. Yeah. You, you need some beer money? I need some anything money. Need some Cracker Jack, popcorn, beer money, whatever you've got to give me. I'll turn it into whatever I need. Well, I mentioned in the news headlines from last hour that Yingling is going to be in Texas for the first time. Hey, are you a Yingling fan? Um, no, I'm not a Yingling fan. Uh, you got something against Northern beers? I don't have anything against Northern beers. I grew up on Ham's beer, as a matter of fact, to a, to a large extent, uh, uh, Wisconsin, Chicago beer. But um, what do you mean they're in Texas? Are they going to be sold at Texas ballparks, or what they're going to make it in Texas? Oh, oh, I wasn't aware of that. I wasn't and, aware and I know you're being the you know you're our staff attorney, right? 
Uh, I don't. I know it gets really weird way states. Each state's got a different rule. There was even a movie made about hauling beer from Texas to Georgia one time. Um, but yeah, it looks like Yingling isn't currently sold in in the state of Texas, and they're going to start making it in Fort Worth. Without, I think with uh, mm, okay. Well, I hope they can sell it there. Uh, it seems to me their shipping costs would be severely impacted if they could just sell it in the state of Texas. I hope by manufacturing it there, they looking far enough ahead to selling it there as well. It seems to me that'd be a tough market to crack, though. You're down in the Lone Star State with all the different kinds of beer they have there, and you're coming in with a beer named Yingling, and you're trying to sell it in Texas. That's uh, well, there's something called Shinerbach. Well, that's a that's a tough that's a tough nut to crack, I would think. All right, all right. Talking a little bit, maybe you need some kind of uh, refresher in your drink. Art, you, you actually look a little uh, tired. Did you stay up late? Oh, that was a professional segue there. Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah. I stayed uh, last night. I was telling you that I watched um, the baseball series on PBS. I have seen it before, but uh, with nothing apparently on television that uh, jumped out at me. I was watching Ken Burns baseball on PBS once again, and it was the episode called The Eighth Inning. It dealt with Major League Baseball between 1960 and 1970. And I had seen the episode before. Uh, The episode concentrated on that decade, which was a decade of turmoil, obviously, in our country with civil rights movement, the Vietnam War, and other uh, political implications during that that decade. But it was just um, the, the narrative that that Ken Burns had when he was talking about uh, segregation and especially the Cardinals and uh, the Yankees who played in the World Series in 1964. Specifically this, Ken Burns had a narrative where he was promoting the fact that there was a disconnect between the black ballplayers of the 60s and uh, ownership and management back then. Today, of course, there's more of a partnership between the players and owners than there used to be. But there was more like feudal times back in the 60s. And Burns really made a point of showing that there was a disconnect. There was a chasm between the players and the owners. When he was talking to Kurt Flood uh, in an interview, Kurt Flood said on the base on the baseball show on the documentary by Ken Burns Kurt Flood was recounting a conversation he had with August Bush August Bush supposedly according to Kurt Flood approached Kurt Flood one day at St. Petersburg where the Cardinals were in spring training St. Peter's was St. Petersburg back then was still a segregated town Mr. Bush asked Kurt Flood in this story related by Kurt Flood. Mr. Bush asked Kurt Flood, well, how are things going, Kurt? And Kurt Flood, well, Mr. Bush, things are okay, but they're not going as well as they should be. Flood went on to say Mr. Bush looked and really astonished and, and asked, what did you mean? And Flood said that he told Mr. Bush that it's really a shame that the Cardinals ballplayers cannot all stay together, that the white ball players are staying in the hotel just up the street, 
but the black ball players are having to stay with families on the other side of town. In the Ken Burns special, Kurt Flood said, Mr. Bush had this astonished look on his face and said, what do you mean our black ball players can't stay in the hotel with the rest of the players? And Flood said he had to explain to Mr. Bush that because of segregation, because of the local laws there in St. Petersburg, Florida, in the early 1960s, that the hotel was turning away the black Cardinal baseball players and would only rent rooms to the white players. Flood said Mr. Bush just looked astonished. And Flood was using that, and Ken Burns was using that, to feed the narrative of how there was a chasm between ownership and players back then. Back then, there was a more of a feudal relationship. It was more like the, a, a plantation-type relationship between the owners and players. And that's where Ken Burns stopped the story. And that was the narrative he was promoting. And that sort of left me hollow, John, because I understand Ken Burns has a right to promote his narrative in his story, but that only told half of the story. I think the other half of the story is, quite frankly, the more heartwarming part of the story. And I wish Ken Burns would have shared that with other people because a lot of people saw a lot of people saw that baseball documentary on PBS. Not as many people read October 1964, which is a book by David Halberstam. Uh, David Halberstam was a Pulitzer Prize-winning author. Uh, he he was, won many awards during his journalistic career. He was a novelist. He wrote about politics. He wrote about sports. And in that book that I read quite some time ago, Halberstam told the rest of that story. And the rest of that story is this. When Kurt Flood told August Bush that the hotel where the Cardinals were staying would not allow the black ball players to stay in the same hotel. August Bush drove to that hotel. I believe it was the Outrigger Inn in St. Petersburg. And he confronted the manager. And then he confronted the owner about this. And you know what August Bush did, John? He, he pulled said, his players out of the hotel? He pulled his checkbook out of his wallet and said, how much? He bought the hotel? He bought the hotel. How about and that? said, that, I'm going to end this right now. And Cardinal players were star players back in the early 60s, like Ken Boyer and Stan Musial. They had oceanfront homes, and they moved out of those oceanfront homes back into the hotel as a show of support for the black Cardinal players so that all the Cardinal players could stay together in that hotel. I just wish that um, the media, when they have a narrative to tell, go ahead, promote your narrative, tell your story, but don't leave out absolutely essential facts like David Halberstam added to the story. I think the story would have been a better story if the documentary had told the entire body of facts, if they had completed the telling of the story, and told how things turned out. The way it was left in the documentary was Mr. Bush turned away from Kurt Flood, and there was a chasm between the players and owners, and that was the end of it. But that's not the way the story ended. All right. Art Cruz with his closing argument against Ken Burns. And next time I talk to Ken, I'll tell him, Kenny, you need to do a better job. Mm -hmm. In fact, I'm going to do a better job here on the Y'all Show and tell you a little bit about Kurt Flood. He was born in Houston, Texas, raised in Oakland before making it into the major leagues. He started out in 56 with the Cincinnati Redlegs before starting with the Cardinals 
in 50, 58 and played for them all the way into the 69 season. And I don't have enough time, but you, you're the lawyer. You should have been trying to get Kurt Flood as a client back in the day because he challenged Major League Baseball. The reserve and clause. The reserve clause. Mm-hmm. In a one-minute answer, what the heck was the reserve clause and what was this legal fight about? The reserve clause back then basically meant that if you were the you were the property of a major league baseball team, and if they decided to trade you to another team, then you had to go. Kurt Flood challenged that. The Cardinals traded him to the Phillies, and Kurt Flood said, "I'm not going. I'm not a piece of property. I have a choice where I want to work, just like people in other professions do. I'm not going to Philadelphia." He sued Major League Baseball, and he won. And as a result of the uh, as a result of that court victory, baseball players make a ton of money now because because of Flood's court victory, free agency came about. Players were no longer deemed to be the property of the Major League Baseball clubs. They could not be traded willy-nilly without their consent. And as a result, as I said, free agency came about, and these gazillionaires that play Major League Baseball today, if they had any sense of history, would thank Kurt Flood for what he did for them. Thank you, Kurt Flood, who passed away back in 1997, by the way. Gosh, it's been almost 25 years since his passing. All right, we will talk about festivals. I just got an email in the inbox, and I'm going to tell you all about what's going on in Natchez, Mississippi this weekend and remind you about some other great events taking place across the Southland this weekend. It's y'all talk with a southern accent. We'll be right back. John Lee Hooker telling us all about Natchez, Mississippi. And if you're going to be in that part of the South this weekend, let me tell you about the Mudbug Music Festival. It kicks off a very busy summer in Natchez, Mississippi. And here this weekend, you got the Mudbug Music Festival. And it's the inaugural Mudbug Music Festival taking place on Saturday at the Natchez Bluff. The festival will feature live music from popular groups and a wide variety of food vendors right there alongside the Mississippi. The music lineup features nationally recognized touring acts such as Riley Green, Driving and Crying, Southern Avenue, Terrence Simeon, and the Zydeco Experience, and also B3, a pre-festival event street party, is happening today there in Natchez, Mississippi. Check out visitnatchez.org for more information on the Mud Bug Music Festival. Art Cruz, you and I could go to Natchez and get our groove on this weekend. It's the inaugural, as you said, Mudbug Music Festival. I'm just looking for a way down there and someone to pay my expenses and lodging, and I'm, I'm all in, John. Do you we'll know anybody it. would do that? We'll take care of it okay. that, in Natchez. Now, in Little River, South Carolina this weekend, you got the world-famous Blue Crab Festival taking place there right on the North Carolina-South Carolina border. That happens up until Sunday of this weekend. Check 
that out in Lexington, Kentucky. This is maybe more up your speed here, Art. The Kentucky Sheep and Fiber Festival taking place at Masterson Station Park on Leestown Road in Lexington, Those Kentucky. rumors are not true. <laughs> well, it is rumored that you've been in a place called Lexington, Tennessee once or twice in your life. And there in Henderson County, you got the 14th annual Henderson County Folk Festival taking place at the Henderson County Courthouse. That's Saturday from 8.30 till 3. Should we kind of be on the lookout for you at the Folk Festival? No, no. I've, 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 spent, a, I've spent enough time in the Henderson County Courthouse in, in my jail? lifetime. Henderson County Jail? No, no, not the jail, but the courthouse. Uh, um, okay. I've, I've done my time there. But it does sound like, uh, my gosh, what every town in the South has a festival. If you're not, if you're a town and you don't have a festival, um, what's wrong? What's wrong with your city fathers and mothers here? Yeah, they they have them, and many of them did not have them last year. So that's why we're doing an extra job today promoting these festivals around the Southland for you to get out and enjoy. Memphis this weekend, it's the 2021 World Championship Barbecue Cooking Contest taking place, Tom Lee Park. If you're going to that expecting to be able to dine on barbecue all day, let me tell you, you better know somebody. I've been to that thing, and unless you've got the hookup to go to one of the tents where they're making it, you might just be walking away and Mm. end up going to the local McDonald's instead of having some good southern barbecue. Florence, Alabama, the Shoals has Arts Alive Festival taking place this weekend, and that's at 217 East Tuscaloosa Street in Lauderdale County, Alabama, Arts Alive festival atlanta's got chastain park spring arts and crafts festival yeah i said your name arts arts and crafts festival at chastain park here this weekend at state bank amphitheater at chastain park and lastly in waxahachie texas it's the scarborough renaissance festival 2021 art you're kind of a renaissance man you ought to feel right at home in waxahachie texas for the scarborough renaissance festival i'm just glad that so many of these festivals re- recognize my greatness and name their <laughs> festivals after me yeah they they they're definitely doing that we'll take a break wrap up this friday and our end of the week show after this this is y'all talk with a southern accent get out there and enjoy the south this weekend y'all have you ever heard about the All right, final segment here. We appreciate everybody for being along for the ride on the Y'all Show this week. We'll be right back here come Monday with a whole new week of talking about the South. Art, you have a wonderful weekend, Art Cruz. Our closing argument here in this third hour of Y'all. Don't forget our website, y'all.com. It's the homepage of the South. We've got a lot of great interviews that we've done where we have video interviews. You can watch this show being made. Check that out at y'all.com. Have a great weekend. We'll see you Monday, as we said. You've been listening to Y'all, the show all about the South. Have a great weekend again.